So Roman Polanski. <laughs> Let's talk hey, about Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski is a dirty beast, but Nicky. <laughs> hey, I was the. We had a discussion about this. I was week. the defending. This is going to sound like I was <laughs> defending. Never him, I start. <laughs> I think he's terrible. What I was saying was everyone still likes Led Zeppelin and that. Everyone still likes David Bowie. Both pedos. Jimmy Page like openly went with a fourteen-year-old. David Bowie shagged two fourteen-year-olds at once. Iggy Pop has got a song on what, an album that's not that long ago about him shagging like a twelve-year-old. Aye, but the or difference something. is, I know that I'm not defending mine, but the difference is in the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties, maybe nineties, depending on who you are. Um, a lot of the lassies, like groupies and all that, consented to that. Well, you said and I know they're still young and it's still Jimmy, absolutely rang, but The Jimmy still... Page one, wasn't he? She did eventually group him, but at first, he grabbed <laughs> her. <laughs> she said he grabbed her. You can't imagine him saying this as well because he sounds so posh. He went and grabbed her, pulled on her calm, said he would cut her head off. I put that. Wait, so I actually um, agree but with you. On that point, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying. However, it doesn't mean that we can't talk about Roman get Polanski it, it a and call Roman Polanski an absolute beast. Roman Polanski is an absolute award. Has he not, he's been on the run since how long? I not not on the run, but well, he went. Uh, he's, he's, um, it's like 20. He's, 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 he's just not going back. He can go away and they can't They can't really do it. Yeah, he's in France or something, isn't he? can't just kind of go back to the US. You'd think the French would be like, I. Here he is back. No, absolutely. French is the opposite. Like, oh, we love weird sexy yeah, well, French, No way. No way. I'm sure. sure the French legal age is 15. No, but he's raped. So I don't think they really care I about that. Aye, but, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> I don't think they French really give a fuck. Did it happen? Did it happen in America? Aye, I don't think it's Jack Nicholson's house. In fact, Jack Nicholson's hot tub is when it was up. Was it? So he was always up to no good as well. Mate, African was in the 70s. Yes. Right, I'm I'm talking about. Doesn't matter, I'm talking shit. I was going to go into Weinstein, but that's fine. That's for a different. Right, Weinstein. Do you think he's actually. Also, see, he's my superhuman. Is he fucked? His loyals went here. Take this mad hobbler and make yourself look weak. He's a. I've seen this. Me and my boss were talking about this all day. Do you think he ever in his bed and just went this could all fucking unravel at some point the jinky was every does he seem as if night, at, least, at least for like 10 seconds he went no, I don't think he seemed as if he was bothered if he was a sociopath but he wouldn't have fucking even thought of I that I just want to know if he ever thought fuck man I could be fucked at I some can, point I guarantee you I haven't hammed all the time and he just went patch it fuck it don't even think about it anyway what do you think about Roman Polanski let us know in the comments below we're not expecting much positive feedback something goes well Roman we're getting, into, we're getting into Indie Movie Month and of course I'm joined by the three Musker Queers it's Luke, Nicky and Jack Musker Queers how long have you been thinking about that? <laughs> uh, I was actually off the top of my head hey. uh, but we are joined by a guest this month Gary Beatson is back Honorary Musker Queer and Rouge episode <laughs> uh, Pitch Battle 2 Gary how are you? I'm not bad not bad, not, not bad. bad. Not bad is not good enough. Well, I feel terrible. <laughs> 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 Anything's better than Higgins is feeling about. I was the cream cookie. Yeah. Mate, glorious, messy yeah. as fuck, but. Glorious. I think Wellbred should sponsor us. Uh, Wellbred with a white cream cookie. Wellbred are, <laughs> Wellbred are amazing. <laughs> Wellbred are amazing. <laughs> Nicky leaned forward in his seat, gave a cough then to announce that Wellbred <laughs> was amazing. That so was the most important thing he was ever going to say in his life. I'd never been to Wellbred until when I started my job and somebody took me one day and. I was blown away. Blown away. Blown away. Just our own sauce and potatoes gone as well. It's Take my magic. breath away. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, today. <laughs> we are getting into nocturnal animals. I've not seen it. ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
and wait for it. <laughs> is Michael Shannon the one that was in The Shape of Water? You have yeah. not seen this film. You've got yeah. the input. Good, very good. <laughs> uh, but of course, Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe for this movie yeah. for Best Support Actor. Yeah. 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 So, we are going to get into uh, what we did Watch last month for Basket Action Month, and it's the, the box office guess. I quite enjoy this. The look's not lost yet. Alright, so the movie was made. fucking doubles at the time. There's no fucking point. So the movie was made for 22.5 million. Alright, doors. <laughs> so I'm going to go around the panel. How much do you think it made? All right, so Me first? Yeah, so 22.5 was its budget. How do you, much do you think it made? Can you tell us if it was... If it was no, 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 no. 64. 64? 63. 71. 45. What did you say? 53. Gary was the closest. It didn't actually make that much money. 32.4 million. That's a lost me. I know, but it did you know that the merits of a film are not uh, necessarily See the channel, the channel's game. garbage. Is the channel bad, eh? Ah, it doesn't make it look See, to be fair, and walking into this film, and you, I told you this, I knew nothing about oh, yeah, this. Yeah, and see, watching it, see the first 15 minutes, I was like, this is fucking... Either pish or uh, absolutely wild, yeah. um, and then it starts getting in here. But well, let's, let's get into it. So, like you say, like you knew nothing about it walking in. Nothing uh, whatsoever. Higgins, what, what was your previous uh, experience knew. knowing anything about I it? I only really knew because you said that you were like, ah, you, you like that, you like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been insisting on that for years. Uh, I think I've been talking about it. Months ago, we had a schedule for not Total Animals to do a show on it. And you were like, oh, Higgins will post that. And I was thinking, yeah. oh, that's one of his favourite films. And it's only until recently I found out that. You didn't even see it. Never seen it before. So it's mental the fact that you even knew he would love it. Aye, it's just like your type of film because you like films that have like that sort of like weird plot elements to it and stuff like that. I knew you were like, Gary. What was your first experience with Zorro Amos? Did you watch it for the first time for this show? I watched it the first time this morning. Oh, very fresh. I'd watched like I'd watched like a an interview with Tom Ford. I think he's done another film as well. Yeah, one before this. And I watched an interview with him when he was talking about it, and I went to watch it, but just patched it. But okay. Yeah, I loved it. Again, like the first 15 minutes is exactly the kind of film I expected Tom Ford to make because it's like all oh, but like so, high art and he's just everything's dead, dead portion shit. And then it obviously gets like right into it. It's so, I don't know, like, see, when you, it is a pure film you can't watch, you know, you can't just stick on. Mm. That's one of those films that's like pure. It's, it's, yeah, it's intense. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly what I was needing at 8 o'clock in the morning I as well. I completely disagree. I love this film that much. I could watch it no, all, it was, all the time. No, fucking right. You, you said right. one of your most rewatchable films was Ready Player One. Yeah. I, I, don't I, know, I, can, I can see him. Because it's just utter shite that's going on. But with this, yeah, but, but you said to me, mm. you were like, oh, I forgot how uncomfortable this was. Yeah, but I like that with some things. So you just love putting uncomfortable films on all the time? I said the Joker, you're like, I'm not going to film that makes feel good. That was the wrong time. You said you need a film that makes feel good. You're trying to sell this podcast. I know. I know. I haven't written a key about it, mate. Anyway, I've held that. I've held on to that for so long. No, wait. Do not say anything about it. I can't use it as ammo later. Um, no, but I remember. I watched this movie for the first time when I did um, uh, the movie blog, uh, Truff Reviews. So I did all. So I'm like basically boo. So I basically reviewed every movie for the year that this came out. So I just went into this and went absolutely fuck all. I finished my shift to tell performance at five the movie was at quarter to six in the audience and it would just be a rush and I was like oh fuck it sitting down no one in the cinema and then I came on and I walked out absolutely loving this film and like everything about it um, but one of the things that people put me off about it and I think Jack I talked to you about this earlier so I didn't think before seeing this movie that Amy Adams like could act I just yeah. knew it as the bird from uh, right. Enchanted yeah. right, <laughs> she's good I thought she was <laughs> I thought she was really good in this and this is something that well, I hadn't really seen her excel before, uh, mm-hmm. but I really liked her in this. I thought the I don't know there was just so many elements in the in the movie itself like that that were quite hard hitting, and it was um, like I don't know the way that she conveyed it as a reader. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like she's really only reading it. Yeah. So I, you don't I feel like it's hard to uh, it's, it's hard to act as if you're reading something and feeling seriously affected by it and I think she's done really well in that sense like mm-hmm. to, to really convey that it's the small emotions um, but look it's the way I think Tom Ford shoots her as well like he really gets like into the sort of ultra close ups with her and allows yeah. those small reactions from her like to really take I always feel like she had a tone of grey about her you know what I mean like see yeah. every time like it was like within a story and she dreamed it and she'd go <gasps> like it's always pure grey like yeah. she was drained constantly and it wasn't until obviously we'll talk about the plot but the flashbacks within it you could see a bit of light in her but obviously as the film goes on in the timeline you just see her slowly but surely just getting dragged away and just oh, yeah. peeled 
broken. Well, I think Tom Ford done a really good job with that, with all the different flashbacks and that. He'd done really well with it, like, every single, every single scene that was not the present day had some sort of element, like some sort mm. of lighting to it or something. Um, it just gave you, you know, just gave, you enough, to uh, gave you enough about the time and what was, how and she was feeling at that point. We're, we're going to go dive into all that, like the visuals of the movie a bit <laughs> later on. Um, <laughs> at the start of the movie, we see her and uh, Gary, she's in this relationship um, with her, her sort of new husband. Mm. Um, it's very, very... <laughs> Michael Watson. Uh, it's, very, it's very clear that <laughs> she's... <laughs> that, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's very, it's, it's very clear she's unhappy with him. Um, and I thought Army Hammer, in terms of casting, is just perfect for that part. Like yeah. just as this fucking smug guy who just quite don't quite trust. Like obviously he's good looking, but there's something really smarmy about him. Mm. Like in the smarmy Hammer. Smarmy Hammer. Obviously he's a hunk. <laughs> <laughs> See what he showed up. I was like ah. So he's playing Vinkle Boss again, you know what I mean? <laughs> In the social network, he just plays that same guy like, ooh, <laughs> no! <laughs> but this is in the era where Army Hammer's like doing all this stuff and like yeah. trying to build up his resume and that uh, sort of like, mm-hmm. feud. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'm, I actually really like Army Hammer. I think he gets typecast as the posh arse piece like, constantly. <laughs> No, but I think if he's good at it, why not? I've seen like some like variety from this is a This is a film where I don't think he get loads of time, but then again, his character isn't the most like kind of important mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. It's all about the past because she's like, she's she's at the start of the film. She's got all this kind of regret, but you don't really know. You don't really know why she's just really unhappy in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And then through reading this story and how it's affected her and how it kind of mirrors her relationship yeah. with Jay Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. who I thought was like oh, amazing in this oh, film. Like, he's getting everything that yeah, he's came out. Yeah, um, I, I, I've honestly not even seen enough. Of him. Right now, uh, personally, I've not seen enough of him. To, like, to have a proper opinion, but I thought he was fucking classic. He's a photographer. Oh, he's a photographer. 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 Like so well, I think it's, it's good. Job. And then look, obviously we get into it. Um, Susan gets the delivery of the um, manuscript in the in the mail, and she cuts her. The first blood. thing she does is she draws blood. Yeah, she yeah. draws blood, and that's like a, such a good it's like a view, sneak bite. Oh, it's so good, man! It's, it's like class. Oh, I like it a lot. It's just like danger. <laughs> and then she's like, read it, and then you just yeah. know it's intense, but. No, I thought it was. Just, I think a lot of it. I'm not going to pretend like I knew everything instantly. I yeah. definitely watched a YouTube video or three after seeing this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, explaining everything. Supposing wise, the things here in there I caught. Oh, um, I... But I think in terms of like, it's just everything about it. And as I said, like she was pure, like constantly as if she's getting drained or like mm. sad about it. Right. You can tell everything's a pure chore for her. And you hear hints here and there where she's like a wee bit hoping. And it's all her fault anyway. Uh, at the end no, of the day, it's I just think it's so clever. I think it's a, a brilliant, also a brilliant way to tell a story through a story. If that makes sense, I, like, sure. I think it's, it's such a clever. Way I didn't to know it, what I it was trying to do in terms of mm. like when when I was first watching it. In terms of she was reading Nocturnal Animals, and then it would go to Jake Gyllenhaal's character. I thought it was like two. It was kind of like happening at the same like, time. So almost, she's over uh, here, and then he's over here, and uh, I was like, right. And it wasn't until obviously getting in, you realise she's reading the story from that within uh, a story. Uh, but see, when I started watching it, Amy Adams, yeah. I was like, same with you. Birdfate chanted, Lois Lane, fucking, I'm getting the same performance every time. But yeah. as it went on, I was like, feeling a wee bit. She gives it on, man. She gives it on. And it's like, <laughs> what you were talking about, Gary, like, <laughs> like if you felt similar about it, because I, like, I thought he did really well in terms of the editing, like the quick cuts back 100%. when they're coming out of that house at the start between Adams and John Hall, just establishing that this is the story we're, yeah. we're going into. The intercutting I thought was like great, especially, especially there's like a good scene where. She's going from the story she's reading back to present day, back to her memory yeah. of that relationship. I and it's all intercutting, and you're getting all the different, <laughs> like uh, all the different stories cutting together. But it never feels like mm-hmm. one's yeah. dominating. It's constantly about Amy Adams. Even you're you're hearing this story, and then you hear what happened to that relationship. Yeah. And how, um, like essentially, Jake Gyllenhaal lost his baby, and or his his like uh, his baby and his wife. Yeah. Um, at the same time, much like the and he could do anything about it. Much like yeah. the character in the story, he was a weak man. Like our mum, yeah. uh, like Amy Adams' mum, kept calling him 
um, and shit like that. So when she's reading the story, like it's affecting her so much because like this is kind of what she did to him, and, I, and that's what I that's what, I mean, that's what I think is so clever about it. Yeah. It's just such a subtle way of, as I say, telling telling a story through another story, yeah. and and uh, again, like what I said, I think. Amy Adams in a great way of just conveying like the, the real I think, issues. I think you've hit the nail on the head, but uh, in terms of like with the story, the actual story and like the flashbacks, yeah. like without with through it all you still knew where like what it was in each mm. bit, like it was yeah. very concise, yeah. so, like you could tell. Aye. But see, the only bit within the actual novel mm. when I was like it was calling back to like real life was when Aaron Taylor Johnson's character calls Jake Gyllenhaal week and I was like right okay I'm with yeah, you now but yeah, yeah. speaking of Aaron Taylor Johnson's fucking sensationalised well, he's really good and I want to get into that like obviously they go in the car and they get to that scene and when we first meet Aaron Taylor Johnson's character it's in that bit when in the car and I just think that's one of the so most tense, tense scenes oh, I've yeah, won because it doesn't fucking let up like I no. think that's the longest uninterrupted we spend in that yeah. uh, story world is just like that scene with that the car bit, yeah. and the chicken and getting uh, out of the car and it just yeah. continually follows like what did you think was going to happen there did you see obviously there was the hint that it was going to go wrong but it kept going <clears> in and back in itself like, as, you as soon like, as I saw the two cars on the road yeah um, like I started getting kind of nervous and the, the tension starts building because you know and he actually says at one point He's like, I, I love this part of Texas. Mm. No cars, no people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, there's fucking nothing there's out fucking here. So much, there's so much foreboding in it, like, right at the start. Like, right now. Everything, yeah. everything that's said, like you say, all yeah. oh, those wee one-liners that you wouldn't even... Well, you what, talk, talk, even talk, throwaways, talk throwaways. Now, but like, yeah, as you say, throwaway yeah. lines, and, it, and there's so much like foreboding in that, and you just know, well, mm. deep down, you know that something wrong's going to happen. One, yeah. thing I, one thing I loved as well was, like, every major kind of shift in the novel she's reading, every major kind of emotional beat, um, is always a reaction of Amy Adams uh, first mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the character's reaction yeah, yeah. like when when, she, when they see the two girls lying there yeah, mm-hmm. um, and she, she has that and she like drops the book and shit like that and then you see it and also when she calls her daughter they're lying in the exact, the exact same, same position, position. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, I, I thought it was maybe like Army Hammer mm. like and he was with like another girl yeah, or something like that. Well, yeah. and then he comes out and picks up it's just so well told how it intercuts well, we're going to, go, going to go back to the, the sort of like visual elements of this in just a wee second but mm. I'd like to come back to you because that scene with the car um, and Aaron Taylor Johnson that's the most we really get to see of him in this movie and mm. he really delivers as like a venomous piece of shit right here I got like the pure Hills of Eyes kind of mm. uh, feel from it like you know when he goes to the car and he's toying with them yeah. and he's like oh, I'll fix your tyre but if you touch me kind of thing like oh but you'll be coming back to PlayStation like that kind of mentalness but he, yeah. he's like mental enough that you could still say he's very conscious of what he's doing mm. so he's acting more mental than he is mm. Um, but I think he just it made you feel on edge, on edge constantly because yeah. you're like because I noticed my like head down with a girl when he's she's like kind of egging him on like calling him a liar and yeah. sticking the finger up at him yeah, and, then, like, and the dad's like, like yeah. can you please just calm down and he's yeah. like oh that's fucking bitch and all that you're like yeah. whoa that was really uncomfortable even like, she when she he pins her up against the car kind of sort oh, of yeah. like, gyrating and it was really really t- like disgusting to watch yeah. like you got the really he sold himself completely as just this guy and you wouldn't think twice about but he's clearly done it before that. kind of thing like yeah, he exactly. clearly knows what yeah. you're doing like it's uh, all planned it feels planned as all, like all the small conversations too. they're having outside the car as well they're like we'll fix your car we'll need to go get this shit yeah. and they're all just kind of like looking they keep looking back and it's just like they are not they know, nice uh, but like it's, it's obviously you're it's thinking oh you just like do something like Jake Gyllenhaal you just want to uh-huh. track him but I then know. again but he's, he's, held, he's held by two guys and then he's just watching this happen and then see the the split moment the editing of like the two girls getting in the car trying to make him get away and he like it goes to him and he pauses and his sound just cuts because, off because uh, yeah, like, yeah, he knows his white noise right. and he's like oh my god and that obviously correlates to the yeah. moment when he lost his child and all yeah. that. And and yeah. There's something to do. I wanted to go back to that shot because obviously, like they, they they get raped and killed um, at that point. Um, yep. And we go. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki's trying to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've looked up and what happens. <laughs> um, but Gary, you spoke about that shot um, with the two of them lying in that couch. Mm-hmm. There's something with the colour red in this movie, and I couldn't quite figure out what the significance of it's it the, was. The colour red and the colour green. Yeah. There's bits when the. Uh, Sorry. I need bottom, I Sorry. <laughs> it goes back Sorry. to um, so like I think Aaron Taylor Johnson's boots are like a specific shade of green mm. and then there's a bit when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal gets dumped by Amy Adams obviously I should be using a character's name but you know what I'm talking about and in the background there's like a green car and then there's another green car mentioned and then obviously the red couch yeah. throws back stuff and also there's like 
obvious kind of symbolism like when she's in the art gallery and it just says revenge yeah. and shit like that and yeah. it's I think throughout the whole thing there's always wee bits here yeah. and there but yeah. but what did you think of that yeah. shot specifically like with the red couch and stuff like that because I know like it stayed with me after it it was like pure like mm. intense it was so it's such like a strong it's, it's so strong because you're in the desert there's nothing there um, and it's just like perfectly preserved mm. piece and it almost looks like they're kind of like they're, they're so they're so clean and like untouched and yeah. stuff like that it's like so uncomfortable mm-hmm. when you look at it because they've clearly been like placed there yeah. Yeah. it hasn't happened like naturally and you, they're looking like the daughter's got like such a like a kind of scared look in her face when she when he like lifts the, the first head up and it's that whole that whole scene was like totally fucking me up especially because i just woke up as well yeah. I was like, <laughs> like, well it goes back to the positioning of the bodies at the art gallery yeah, from the yes, beginning of the yeah, film, yeah, yeah. and things. So I yeah. don't quite, I don't quite know what the yeah. there's also another red couch. I never actually noticed the colour thing before. That's the the colour. I, I, I noticed it the, first the, watching, the, but the red couch. The red I didn't clock. Obviously, when you see it, you go, "There's something about that." But yeah, there is yeah. in the view world, if you want to call it. Um, there is another red couch which shows like the kind of connects it all. But I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But the, it did pure. I didn't expect them. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal would have at least had seen them or said something to them. I didn't mm. expect him to find them as clean cut lad and just uh, dead. Yeah, I, thought, dead. I thought it was really surprising. Like, everything that happened yeah. in those early stages of uh, of the book was mm. surprising. Yeah, mm. I didn't think it was going to go so so tits up yeah. so early. Ah, yeah, exactly. Like, I thought it was early. Like, and, and as you said, like you're, you're fucking, you it's so. What's uncomfortable about it is it's you're just. Wanting Jake Gyllenhaal to fucking hit him, like, you want him to do something, you know what I mean? but but at the same time, like I don't know, I know that the whole thing, the whole symbolism is that he's weak and all that, right? But in the grand scheme of things, like <laughs> he's, he's actually in the worst position he could possibly be in against three guys. Yeah. So it's yeah. very very easy for three guys to overpower one man. And the judgment the audience has plays into the introduction um, of Michael Shannon's character Mm -hmm. because when they have that first car journey, he sort of presses the question. He's like, "So what did you do?" In that minute, and Jake Gyllenhaal's makes him feel like yeah, Yeah. he feels less of a man because like, what you do? And he was like, "I didn't know what to do." And he's like, "Why didn't you?" It's your Mm -hmm. wife and your daughter. And he's like, "I didn't." I, I was just stuck, and then. Like stuff like when they came out and called him out and said your your wife wants you and he's like head down kind of waiting. Obviously he's thinking strategic. Yeah. If I stay here, I can get them. But if I go with them, I'll yeah. die. And when Michael Shannon's like and he's like, so what did they say? To you? And he's like, oh, they said like your wife wants you. He's like, and you didn't go. You didn't. Exactly. See the, all right. Okay. And that's uh, obviously Jack, that's the introduction we have to Michael mm-hmm. Shannon's character. And you said that you weren't. You've criticised him. You said you don't get you don't get the deal with Michael Shannon was what you said. So like, tell me where that sort of comes from. Like, especially because in this part, I thought that he served the plot perfectly. And for me, like, he was one of the most captivating parts of the movie. Like, he was good, but I just don't. I don't see the the Oscar nominee. Side of things. I kind of get what you mean. I it's a I, bit, don't see I thought he was the, really good, but it wasn't. I until don't actually think that his performance or his. Yeah, his performance in that role see, was particularly. See when he first gets introduced, yeah. thought uh, it was good, but uh, and and the character's obviously vital, but like not, yeah, not enough for me to be thinking mm. Oscar nominee or anything like that. Mm. And I like Michael Shannon, don't get me wrong, like, yeah. I, like <laughs> damn United, damn United, and all that kind of thing. But yeah. I feel I feel like he's this. He, he gets it, typecast like, quite a lot as the same but, character, the kind of intimidating authority figure. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's kind of that. And most things, and my favourite thing I've seen Michael Shannon in was Knives Out, because I thought he was fucking hilarious in Knives mm-hmm. Out. Um, and because it was a total break for that, that kind of typecasting, because I can't remember what the film is. Well, he's in Shape of Water and he plays a similar kind of character, and this obviously is in Shape of Water, he's, he's the kind of hero, he's the bad guy, but it's the same sort of presence he brings, because yeah. he is so good at it, because he's like a big guy and he's got this mm-hmm. fucking lined face and stuff, he just looks. Mental. Where do you stand to Michael Shannon? Um, not even in the introduction, but as we go forward in the movie, and he becomes more unravelled as we learn more about his illness and stuff like that. I thought it was weird. See, when he first get introduced, I thought he was gonna be like, it was weird. I got a feeling like, oh, he's clearly like in with these other guys. Like he knows what's happening. Just like because the way he was portraying himself, like he wasn't driving and stuff like that. And he was kind of like, mm. looks like he was half arson. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, this guy's clearly not caring about his family. But is it unravels? As you said, it goes on. You realise like. He's ill, mm-hmm. and like he's trying, he's, he is going to try his best no matter what. But when he starts doing like rash things, he's like, 
oh, like, we won't be able to put them in jail, but we'll take matters in our own hands. And you think, this guy's, like, an authority figure within the police department. Like, why is he wanting to murder people? Yeah, well, and then, you feel it, do you know, feel, well, personally, I feel he was on his side. I was like, oh, no, he's going to die, mate, and he, he's wanting like, to help this guy, like, mm, to, to, to just to the last absolute thing. level, do you know what I mean? To, to just get him that little bit of revenge that he's, sure. he's, he's certainly due, do you know what I mean? Listen, I think the class thing was when they're in that cafe. Mm-hmm. And Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like pressing him to talk about his personal life, but right. he keeps talking right. about the case, right. and he's like, "Nah," like he's not even said no. He just keeps talking and talking, and it wasn't until obviously watching a couple of YouTube videos and someone else explained this to me, but it's like Michael Shannon's character is the subconscious of Jake Gyllenhaal's character, so that's why he's like, "Why didn't you do anything?" And Jake's like, "I don't know," and like he asked the question, and Jake Gyllenhaal didn't want to answer, so like right. he's like, "Take matters in your own own hands," and like how when he never shot the guy when he had the chance and mm. he's like you should have shot him we should have done it there and then um, and the whole cancer thing I think that's like obviously a nod to that's why he never met up with Amy Adams character then because he's like secretly she's telling her I've got cancer get fucked <laughs> essentially well, but yeah, I thought he was it, when, I first, when the first few scenes when I was like I'm not really convinced I thought he was just as you said just this Guy who's yeah, I just got to say, I've, I've certainly got Michael Shannon absolutely wrong. I, thought that I was, was going to say when you said John Geraghty, that's Michael Sheen. That's funny. Michael Sheen's in it. Michael Sheen, isn't it? Yeah, he's only in it for like five minutes, which is like the smallest guy. What's the fucking deal about Michael Sheen? Do you know what I mean? I'm not talking about Michael Sheen, but you get what I mean. Just this random guy who turns up and talks. Anyway, Michael Shannon, on the other hand, brilliant. Brilliant actor, and what a, fucking, what a performance that was. Captain, actually. Did she say that I'm too late? I was like, he's got a chance. See what I'm saying? Get for Alistair's and Jack Higgins as always. See what he said that day? I was like, I'm going to say aye, but I'm absolutely not. Aye, you've been an email, you know what I mean? He has an email, my name's Shannon. Well, Michael Shannon is, but I mean. Michael Shannon definitely has an email. I should have said Bonalock Empire, we would have gone all quicker, but Gary, it's at this point we get back into the flashbacks, and what is clever about it, like obviously we've talked about how the novel is an allegory for their relationship and stuff like that yeah. but we are not party to the same information that Amy Adams character mm-hmm. is until later when we get to know the things about his mother calling him weak in his career and how the yeah. relationship ended and stuff like that so what did you think was particularly powerful about the flashback scenes specific- specifically when we see the past of their relationship <laughs> um, I, feel, I feel like you, you, you see that they are so in tune with each other and they have like a really similar upbringing and stuff like that and they are kind of really strong couple at the start mm-hmm. um, or they have the potential to be at least and it's yeah. only when Amy Adams' mum kind of interrupts that flow uh, and puts doubt in her head and saying everyone becomes their mother so she's kind of thinking that at the back of her head yeah. and the, the problem in the relationship all stems from her it's not it's not really him he's, he's trying to do something and he supports her and she should support him and it's kind of got to be an equal weight in the relationship but it gets more and more toxic as it goes on and she obviously handles the end of it like just fucking horribly yeah. um, and that's why I, I think everything's so hard hitting is when you do get that information um, even like piece by piece and you see why she feels like she does in the present mm-hmm. and why this novel's like so affecting to her it's because the guilt is just like insane she's just got to be kind of completely overrun by it yeah and there's two more sort of we'll wrap up the sort of plot rundown of this uh, portion of it there's two major things happen in the end um, look we see Jake Gyllenhaal's character he finally does manage to get his revenge mm-hmm. um, in killing Aaron Taylor Johnston's character um, albeit he still gets clubbed in the head with a, a bloody crowbar but what did you think about that moment where he finally like puts the, the bullets in him well because I liked Aaron Taylor Johnson so much I was like oh, but like I was thinking what? liked him <laughs> I loved him what a guy <laughs> oh no okay. I didn't like this well, he's doing a right good job but like, <laughs> uh, I think see what he actually eventually because when he woke up because obviously Aaron Taylor clocks him when he wakes up and he's like he's blinded and shit like that and he walks oh, yeah. out and he fucking shoots his cell in the stomach but like I thought it, for some reason I thought there was going to be another turn and Aaron Taylor Johnson because he was denying everything he's like oh you knew this guy for a year ago you killed he's raped and he's like didn't he didn't he didn't he and then I thought it was going to be some twist like yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's going to find out that it wasn't him at all and he just shot this guy for no reason mm-hmm. but absolutely not I was just thinking way too much in <laughs> <laughs> it see when you start looking into like I was like why is he blinded him obviously he's not intentionally blinded him but I was like yeah. obviously Tom Ford wants to show that he's got one eye he can't see and he's shot himself and I was like I wonder what that's about and it's like Basically saying that that old Jake Gyllenhaal's character's dead now. Yeah. Like that guy's gone. See after the a week, the week, the week Jake Gyllenhaal's gone. Even mm. though he's 
succeeded. What I was going to say though, I also thought it, it was a, a, dub, a double kind of meaning. Like, I thought, yes, it's the kind of re, like, the rebirth, whatever you want, the kind of progression of his character, and he's feeling uh, that he's obviously overcome something or overcome this sort of weakness. But at the, same, at the same time, I still think that even at his strongest, he still looked weak. He was weak. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He still got fucking. I get what you he mean. still got hit. Even in his, his, like he had multiple chances to put him down and, and fucking. Do ah, it. Mean, and he took so long that mm. it's he still ended up fucked. Yeah. He still and ended then, up. And then if, if, you, if you go with the thing that Michael Shannon's character is actually like the kind of in a in a monologue like mm-hmm. the subconscious of J. John Hall, the the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've totally forgot what I was gonna say that. Oh, and when when he doesn't do that and when he kind of breaks down and he's like. I could have shot him, I could have ended this to now. Uh, yeah. And he's like, You're a good guy, you're a good guy. Uh, like you don't like this isn't you, you don't have to do this. It's almost like he's he doesn't maybe see himself as weak, kinda of down he's saying I was doing the right thing and he was doing the moral thing. But I uh, then that's a decision for the viewer to make. Like yeah, is it yeah. was it was it weakness or was it just kinda of moral standards? I don't know about you, but even yeah. knowing all this, like that guy raped like the worst you can do is like your daughter and your wife is like yeah. you raped and killed him, mm. no like near mm. regard to who they were whatsoever. But even when he did kill him, he still like obviously he fucking knocked his cell out and then woke up and then <laughs> he, he realised his deed. But you no, know, I didn't feel like that pure triumph. He still was like yeah, he, he, he just punched out, as you said, like it was his weakest when he was at his strongest and then yeah. he was like that's it. And then slowly when he I mean the, it's a brass <laughs> I say brass neck I don't know what else to say, but it's a brass <laughs> neck when he's just killed the murderer of his daughter, yeah. basically, and his mm. wife. And he still stumbles and shoots himself, yeah. Yeah. and he knows even in those diamonds he's like, "This is a fucking, <laughs> this is a bad <laughs> <That's like fuck-ups. laughs> And that's the end of the story bit. But then Jack, we get into the the finale of the movie uh, with uh, Susan wanting to meet up with Edward again, mm. um, and she waits for him in the restaurant, and he doesn't get up. Doesn't That's what I say. So, so what, 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 what do you think <laughs> of it as an ending, like overall to the oh, movie? Perfect. Like, absolutely perfect. It gives you, it gives you exactly what the story's trying to tell. Really, it's mm-hmm. it's obviously a self-reflective thing from uh, what's his name, Edward. Edward, yeah. Uh, it's obviously self-reflective. He's getting this message across. He's basically, he's effectively kind of like assessing himself mm-hmm. and uh, and showing Amy Adams' character that, well, maybe it is what she thinks. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Or it is what maybe she. Well, but both, I think. I but think it's also a bit. Of she was right, uh, but a, also he's right, and he yeah. sh- she should have fucking trusted him. Into yeah, what I think. I think it's one of those like great, he was just he was just telling a story. He's a storyteller, and you know, he's trying mm-hmm. to tell a story. But what the message is the is that, well, it it could go either way. Do you know what I mean? Anyone can be weak or whatever, and these sort of situations can happen to anyone. But narratively. I think it's the best film ending or my favourite I wouldn't say the best I think it's my favourite film ending of all like time like how shit would it be oh, because, because he rounds up like shame would it be if he actually just talked no, exactly. about it. it's, like, it's because he takes that that decision is so vital to the overall film yeah. working yeah. if he does show up it ruins everything because yeah. we don't need that conversation it's yeah. so much more powerful that visual of her sitting there herself but like, like, emptying bit by bit okay. all the tables and she's drinking away like see the, when I watched it the other night and me and Gary have been writing together and me and him were talking about like it's best to write from like personal experience and like what you've been through yourself kind yeah. of thing and it's obviously best coming from what you know mm-hmm. so when the scene when he's arguing with Amy Adams in terms of she's like you need to like you're writing about yourself but it's still shit yeah. and he's so offended by it and mm-hmm. I was like it pure resonates the fact that imagine you're writing down like on the line everything you can from what you know mm-hmm. is someone going the closest person to you saying that's horrendous but he even stayed with her at that point yeah. mm-hmm. like he was still willing to go right I'm going to get a go but I, think, I think the point of what he said because he says in that initial email is like you've made me get to a place where I'm finally writing from the heart mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily writing about what he knows but it's putting a piece of himself yeah, in yeah, here I think a piece of narrative with yeah. this one which makes this piece of work that he finally writes the Nocturnal Na- Animals novel um, like his best you mm-hmm. know or what's in- insinuated to be his best work yeah. in the context of the story um, I wanted to bring it round to a discussion of Tom Ford because he's only made two films uh, he has not made a film since Nocturnal Animals his first one uh, like we talked about was a single man it was a Colin Firth film that was also very well received about a college professor whose long time secret lover dies and just leaves him wanting to kill himself so the film is the day in his life of whether he's going to kill himself or not that's so shitty. Uh, 
it's just Tom Ford. Uh, <laughs> but what, what do you think, obviously? Because I don't. I'll put this like an open question to the panel. I don't think there's been, and I can't think of anyone else who crosses like two creative fields as successfully as Tom Ford has because he had two like uh, critically successful films and then he's like obviously one of the biggest fashion designers on the planet is there am I missing anyone there is absolutely there? you're missing Donald Glover who's in bits and bits and pieces but that's, really, that's uh, true that's Donald true. Glover is a, honestly and I, mean, I think it's something called TV deal Shut up. <laughs> Will Smith was the biggest rapper in the world. He genuinely was. He was the, I don't know, he's a laugh here. He was the first rapper to win a Grammy. He's only 5'10". He's only 5'10". Then he became the biggest actor. That's true. I'll give you Will Smith, I'll give you Will Smith. They're a rare breed, though, for sure. And a guy like a guy like Tom Ford, um, and I, I don't really know much about like high fashion or anything like that, but... You had me fooled. But the guy's... The guy's careers, like, uh, did he know? Did he, he save? He saved like Gucci for going under or something like that. He became, he became like creative director for Gucci, and they were in like a really shitty place, and he made them like one of the like number one brands in the world again. And then he starts his own his own shit, and that goes mental. And the fact that he's got like this, this ability because he writes, does he write his own films as well? Or yeah. this was a, this was a novel and he adapted it. Yeah, like yeah. he's obviously just got like that creative spark that crosses all his interests, uh, and he's able to put. Uh, Probably mm-hmm. as like the thing saying like a part of himself into whatever he does. Don't know how you do that with fashion, but the guy fucking does it. You uh, know what I mean? Like, I think it's also cool. Like see, like I've not on animals in general when they were talking about like Jake Gyllenhaal's characters going on about Amy Adams, and he's like, I'm actually trying to be creative here. Like you can't be creative at one bit or another, and then it turns out she's like punting art. Mm. So Put like e- even though that's no her creating there, it's her just been like. A forefront, like this yeah. is what I'm doing, yeah. kind of thing. Like, she, 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 it's gonna, and that's why I think that career's so perfect as well, because she sells other people's creativity because she's, she's like, not un- unable like, to do it herself because she's so obsessed uh, with like the material shit and what yeah. other people think and what her mum thinks, you know what I mean? That's why she goes for the and guy. I think like that's why the start as well is like the start is the way it is. It's all these women who are just doing what they want to do, whereas Amy Adams actually, this is a gallery for yeah. her, like, just like, yeah. give me money and. It should not have been a true sale at all. That's why her and Jake Gyllenhaal are completely yeah. opposites. But you know, I mean. to answer the question, both of these films so far, he's wrote the screenplay for, and both have been adaptions from novels. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. an interesting tidbit. We need to see what sure. happens. Uh, he's also a well-read uh, fashion designer and filmmaker. So well done, Tom Ford. Well done, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to look is not almost. Absolutely didn't make money at all. So it did make money, but it's not the film I'd expect to make money. You know what I mean? Like, see these uh, awards. Like, this is quite an ad. Well, it's it. funny to get. Uh, well, for personal experience, it, it's strange to have. What there was a two nominees there? Did you say? Oscar yes, nominees? yes, there they had two Oscar nominations. Two Oscar yeah. nominees, and he won best support. Yeah, he won the Golden Goal for best supporting yeah. actor. Yeah. Golden Goal, right? yeah. Well, I mean, to to get to. Well, we'll at least have a couple of nominees and. Yeah. No bad for a, a movie that actually mm-hmm. only made fucking what? It, d- it depends on the certain. Even double. It depends no. on the amount <laughs> movie because if you look at this year, for example, Parasite is a film that's definitely benefit from its awards campaign, especially in Western audiences, um, because of the like the publicity and it got a wider release here. But you look at a film like Judy, uh, which what uh, uh, won for New Zealand Best Actress this yeah. year, they made zero, like nothing, nothing like made absolutely yeah, yeah. nothing. Yeah. So there are two types of like awards movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? In that regard, it's not always going to make you the most money. No, yeah, but this yeah. is a film that. I'd argue I don't like saying films are for the critics but it's not going to do well with yeah. a mass audience it's a, it's a total there's, there's like elements of like a thriller to it and stuff with the, the novel but the not that's the novel itself is that is a, it's a novel it's it's a story whereas uh, the film outside of that is kind of like a quiet reflection of yeah. what Amy Adams is doing in her head so uh-huh. that's kind of they aren't the films that make money but they're always the films that get um, nominations because it, it requires actors to do something a bit more yeah. and as, as we're saying Amy Adams conveys like all that emotion in her eyes um, mm. and doesn't really have anything to say when she's reading the novel she only really communicates with her secretary and her, her husband and yeah. she only the only time we hear her thoughts and her opinions are in flashback mm-hmm. you, know you kind of get the feel because obviously since it's her perspective reading the book mm-hmm. as well and I think it's really smart and again I did not get this myself I had to look it up but it's the fact that even when the guy in Nocturnal Animals novel um, it's played by Jake Gyllenhaal because that's who's the author and who she imagines he's wrote uh, about yeah. and his wife is someone who looks like uh, Amy Adams yeah, but is Amy Adams so she can't even imagine herself in that position because she's just like even though they uh, both get completely look alike she can't even see herself yeah. being his wife um, 
I think that's a good place to wrap up part yeah, one just to go sure. round the corner uh, if, so thumbs up all round for nocturnal animals yeah, sure. aye, aye, yeah. Aye, aye. definitely <laughs> Nicky agrees you'll hear more of Nicky in part two um, where we'll be reviewing the, 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 new, the, new, <laughs> the new trailer for Artemis Fell discussing the news that uh, Christian Bale has been confirmed as the villain in the next Thor movie Love and Thunder um, and we'll, Thunder uh, we're not talking about Parasite Parasite no we'll talk about Parasite in a couple of weeks no um, we need we, I try to talk to you about it or Daniel and not talk to you about it or we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks for you and an hour can you ham alright and we'll also be getting into it we decided last time so Luke and Gary will be taking each other on in a movie trivia battle alright so stay tuned for that in part Let's two get it Part two. The best part. The dead speak. Nicky's <laughs> actually able to contribute to this bit yeah, of the show. I quite enjoyed straight chilling. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing during part, part one? I was texting Kyle because Kyle said he was maybe going to drive tonight and Ed said, shut your cock holster. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, that is very amusing. Haha, <laughs> chuckles all round. So we've just watched the, the <laughs> we've just watched the second trailer for Artemis Phil. Um, we're going to be talking about movies with a troubled production next year. Artemis Phil has had a troubled production. The first trailer for this movie came out last year. They've kept pushing the release of this back. Um, Nicky, I'm going to come to your opinion first. I think it shows why. <laughs> I get like fucking balls, man. Just fucking balls. Just rubbish. Just, balls. There's nothing in it that looked good. Colin Farrell's obviously cool. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. That's that. That was it. Yeah. That was all. See if I hadn't had to watch it, I looked away earlier. Mm. Looks, I said yeah. to you at the start, I thought I'd seen it. it must have been last year. We probably. Covered the first trailer <laughs> back in the early like, days. I hadn't seen the troll button. It looks like all these kind of live action Disney films that have come out in the last like five years. They all look like the exact same film. You could intercut them. The other trailers, like, like on time. Uh, the clock in the wall, Jack yeah. Black thing, or just they all just look the same, mm. and it just looks like bad CGI and even worse acting. Do we think like these live action? Really wanted to do it. What the, yeah, does it look like? It's like a whole money grab. Man. These live action family films that Disney are doing. Do you think they've just completely died out? Like I can't think of one that's been really ultra successful in the last like. Yeah. Was five was years. there like a good run? I feel like there was a good run of them at one point. Like they just made so when. much for all the other stuff. That yeah. I think they just made a bit of a backseat. Uh, maybe just made too much now they don't they like feel like with like Pixar and stuff like that yeah. Disney like peaked with them because they used to spend loads of time on these films making sure they were good mm-hmm. like and like quality films that would hold up and last now it just feels like they're rattling them out and that's why they get so, such trouble production because people maybe just keep dropping maybe it's just get too big now it's all I get a feeling by looking at that trailer alone like Disney are just wanting obviously they've got most of the monopoly anyway but in terms of they're trying to make franchises in general, so obviously the MCU is just kind of capped off with all the, and fully like capped off, but mm-hmm. um, but like they've got this now coming up, they've got like Pixar and stuff like that. They kind of just want to make films that can make films, like so when they make so that they mm-hmm. kick something. I mean, what was it, John Carter from Mars? Yes, that yes. was the thing they wanted to kick off as well, and that failed dramatically. And then they had a couple again. There was like there's ones that you know were a thing. Oh, fuck. I like John Carter from Mars. I, like, I, I went to see that with my papa. It was nice. We, oh, nice right. we there was, I think, been, as you said, there's been a lot that you can think of that Disney have made, but you can't remember them because they're just so forgettable. But yeah. I think they're just desperate to have their own cinematic universe, which it is yeah. their own, even though Marvel's their own, but Marvel's still Marvel at the end of the day. They just want mm. something else to make uh, another billion dollars. But they do. That they, they, they went on I, when you I, see Marvel, I, you're like, oh, I, I, I think that really, <laughs> that's now, there's nothing about this that looks like they had any effort in the marketing of uh, it, because it reminded me, do you remember when Murder on the Orient Express came out last yeah. year? And mm-hmm. it was so disparate, like what was actually on screen, it was the Imagine Dragons song they put in the background. This feels like that. Like, it just doesn't feel like I know that any of the tone or the feel of the movie. See a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, for example, I know exactly what I'm going to be getting with that yeah. film. Like any good trailer should tell me what the tone of it is, what the feel of it is. Yeah. Like, what, is it going to be like earnest or is it going to be mm. like like quite cynical? Like there was, I got nothing from yeah. it. I, I get the appeal, kind of Spy Kids vibe from it. Uh, like in terms yeah. of like kind the of small kids. suit that he opens up, yeah. and there's like a, a suit there as soon as I saw. But that, no, but it's like, any I'm size, but it's up. perfectly tailored for him well, as well. <laughs> and there, there is probably like a good idea there, like those books that like. As, as I was saying before, like you, uh, like you see them and you have seen them for years. They've obviously lasted in their like popular popular books, but 
Honestly, up until now, doesn't just because just because something's popular doesn't mean it translates and doesn't mean people no, want to fucking see it. And I think Disney has the opportunity as a company as big as it is to tell original stories that are because they've done it in the past. Like you know, what I mean, they are the original movie. For adventure fantasy storytellers yeah. it's Disney man like but I think as I, I took me two things from that trailer I've seen it a couple of weeks ago one I thought Arkham Sprout was the name of the author of the books <laughs> so that was um, good to know that it's just a wee boy in the books <laughs> and two um, Disney are just I think I didn't even know Arkham Sprout was a Disney property mm. obviously they bought it over but again I feel like they're just apart from Pixar which seems to be the only originality of that whole company they either buying off other ones so 20th Century Fox Marvel they're just using their properties but they've got nothing yeah. to run. I mean look at the 90s and 2000s you had Lilo and Stitch Hercules even though these are all properties that were well, Hercules Pocahontas and stuff like that they were obviously made Mess, somewhere else like but, like, but they made the it their own stuff. thing which would be good mm. but I feel like that's just Artmosville yeah. and other properties like that it's just kind of beat for beat what the book what you'd yeah, expect right. but they'd kind of want to make mm-hmm. it they're like oh this is what the fans of this property yeah. would like but at the same time we need to make money off this so therefore I can guarantee you the East black guy assistant at the end of the film is going to turn into a war machine and it's going to tie into <laughs> Iron Man 2 or something like yeah. they just they're desperate just to get something again yeah. I think I think they just need a like a different fresh voice and what they're going to make they've got it, enough money they could easily get the best people about and just yeah. but I think that's, I think that's the problem yeah, as well. they've sure. got so much they don't want to risk it obviously they've got so much money and so much to do well, they've got a lot of properties to work with they're like why do we need originality to, and mm. that's, I think that's the problem that's what but I'll, I'll hit back on that slightly because even with right, <laughs> see even with their franchises they have left room for originality because they've brought creative voices in and allowed them for the most part to do their own thing within like the confines of like say the Marvel or Star Wars worlds and stuff mm. like that for me what it feels like is they've had this Artemis film and they wanted an Artemis film movie but now at this point they just want it done and out. Yeah. Like to me it feels like they're just putting this in the graveyard, they're making a very minimal marketing budget with it and yeah. I think they're preparing to take a loss of oh, Artemis Bill. Because I think after a wrinkle yeah. in time lost the money, they've lost faith in these book two movie live action adaptions. I think this will be the last one we see from Disney for a while mm-hmm. and I think they're just, I don't think we'll get a franchise out of this even if there is like built-in I think they'll, I think, I, I think they'll build hints to it. I think they'll just be like here's that next thing or like fan service for people who are fans of this film. Yeah. Everything they do kind of be good. It's going to be shy. They have the money to spend the time to make stuff at least Watchably good, you know what I mean, or like like Aye. passably good to get something else. But is this just again, as you're saying, looks like a looks look, it looks just like fuck, man. I'm not gonna sit through that. Kids are not gonna sit through that. You know, it looks like kids. Spy Kids mixed in. Mate. Did any of you ever see the Spy Doc Chronicles? Yes, oh, yes. it's yeah. like that. I was actually fucking gutted they never got a sequel because they were. I was way into that film as a kid. Spy Kids was my Oh, me, Gary, was talking about Spy Kids the other day and how yeah. glorious and shite and amazing it is at the same time. Alan Cumming was on it, he's, uh, he's class. Uh, yes. With the thumbs, they made the thumbs that moved about. The They're so terrifying. They're awful. Red t- no, fact, no I- actual gave me the fear as a kid. As a kid. <laughs> Australian, was it? Is when, see when he would take the agents, I don't know if I'm going off a tangent here, but see when they take the agents and they would morph them into the fucking googly. Yeah, 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 but like he would mix out the clay and they would like morph into it. That freaked me out. Uh, to this day, I can't watch it because I'm like, me out and I wrote a script that was loosely kind of inspired I've always got stuff like that but I don't know things that terrified you that weren't yeah, really that, sure. like Pinocchio and the boy turns into a donkey yeah, that's still terrifying that, 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 that bit that. in Pinocchio oh, is have you watched that, that recently it's so sad he's like pure screaming for mate, his mum it's so fucked up if he ran off to Treasure Island he should have known better Fuck him. Oh, <laughs> moral high ground. It's it's moral high ground. I would never do the such a thing. The boy who's literally been out, been alive for about three months, he should have known better. He should have known better. And do you know who should have known better? Us, for ever doubting the rumours that Christian Bale, look at that. Oh, oh, and what? Would, be, would be the villain for oh, uh, Love and Thunder. We love to see it. What do we think? Christian Bale, for Love and Thunder, is going to be the best. I'll one thing, and I want Christian Bale to be in more than just this film. No, it's not going to happen, it's Marvel. 
Christian Bale is class. <laughs> Christian Bale is class. I never thought he would do a Marvel. Oh, film. exactly. But then the money. The price I, do you know what he's so doing? Right. He's doing it for Taika Waititi because Taika Waititi's just got his oh, Oscar. Sure. He's the he's a director people yeah. want to work with. Yeah. You know, what yeah. I mean? yeah. whether yeah. it's that. Is he doing that? I don't know. Yeah, he's doing it. He managed to get Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman was done. Natalie Portman was like, never again. Never again am I doing this. And like, if you mention Taika Waititi, it's just like, oh, maybe. I've just realised as well. I forgot that. Love and Tuddles about female law, which is Natalie Portman and yes. Christian Bale. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be class, but I want Christian Bale to be a big bad in it. Like, yeah. not just in this, but multiple films. Well, who could you see him being? That's Batman. The... Sorry. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> I love Christian Bale. I love him. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Like he's brilliant, man. It's like he's great. I love that video of him going mental with the poor guys. I loved it. I was just good. Good. It's exactly how I wanted. Good enough thing. Saw Saw 3, what's it called again? Ragnarok. Ragnarok had this pure 80s synth kind of feel to it, and it was kind of funky, and never took itself seriously. So Saw 4, you're with the title card, it looks like the exact same, like very 90s kind of. 90s, oh, it's the exact same. Yeah. So Christian Bale, can you see him being a character where he's not totally fucking serious? No, he is. He, Christian Bale's a total uh, chameleon, though. Christian Bale can he, fucking do anything. He'll do it. He'll do what Kate uh, Blanchett did in the last, and just Blanchett. hammer up completely. <laughs> she's, the one that, she's the one that actually announced um, officially announced like, oh, Christian Bale will be the villain and so forth. Like, yeah, it wasn't it came from uh, Kim Fiala of all people. Kate, Kate Blanchett's just like I'm going to ruin everything. Have you seen? It's already gone on. Vice, anyone else? Vice, yeah. Uh, talk, talk about a film we like cross. Uh, say we were talking about Nocturnal Animals last time, and it's like uh, it has this like in a story within a story, and it had mixes these forms and stuff. That Vice was. Yeah, I didn't know that was there. Christian Bale. It was in the plane in New York, and I put it on, and then obviously it shows you when yeah. he's younger first, and I was like, fucking hell. So I'd seen his face on the title, but you're so easily amused. I'm shocked, <laughs> astounded. He is fuck. He is uh, fuck. <laughs> Jack, this is information that you will enjoy. So a, it was immigrant song was the inspiration for the last tour mm-hmm. movie. That's how he pitched it. Um, but this film, he went in and he pitched this with Dio's uh, "Rainbow in the Dark" oh, yeah. is going to be the theme song for this film. So uh, you'll be very excited about that. Dio's a fucking god. Best, best. Does he have the best hard rock slash metal voice of all time? No. Dio? Dio? Yeah. No. Axel Rose? Dio or no? Dio. Axel Rose. Nah, it's a vocalist, he's a bad I'd, I'd argue he's a bad singer, he has a distinctive voice, but he's a bad singer. Axel Rose? Yeah, that's who he's the best singer. He has a vocalist. <laughs> he, has, he, has, he has a vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can say that it's like whatever the word is, fucking iconic. Oh, good. I mean the right answer the right answer is like uh, sitting right behind you Nicky uh, with our lord and saviour Stephen Tyler um, but Stephen Tyler's a prick <laughs> you're a prick moving on I like Ozzy Osbourne oh <laughs> yes is anyone here to we're getting any music here but obviously linked in if, uh, but Ozzy Osbourne uh, released his latest album and he did a title track Ordinary Man with uh, Elton John and Slash and it's very good it's good he's got Parkinson's now yeah that actually, that actually makes the song better it's really um, a surprise <laughs> that's all I've got I'm not too sure about a song but think about him with Parkinson's that's fucking ten times better than <laughs> it's, it's so because it's about him wanting to be remembered when he dies so obviously you're like who does oh, he what? oh but now he's got Parkinson's so is it immediate like, See, it's very soon read his book he's done some fucked up things what was yeah. one? scrambling oh, bats that's not even the worst that's not Reality show, you know, like, you'll love this. There's a bit uh, I seen a clip on Twitter. There's a reality show, and Sharon Osbourne's on the phone, right? Oh, and Ozzy's sitting in a high chair, and he's trying to, like, you know, that way when you do this, like, you kind of bounce it in without touching the ground. So he's in a high chair, and he's like that, rocking it, and he's like that, pure bouncing in the spot. But he's just 60, 70 year old Ozzy Osbourne, just doing yeah, this. The, the, boy's, the boy's so fried, man. He must See, just sat there, like, in his own wee fucking. Ozzy Osbourne is, see, when you see him. Like people do YouTube videos of when he was like on tour and all that yeah. to now, and the way he stutters and all that, and he's like in an interview, he's like, I feel totally. But it's, it's like, just mangled. He's a living yeah. version of his hat of There's a bit in his book, right? He meets a guy for, I think it's the BGs or Beach Boys, Beach Boys, I think it's, yeah. and his brother just died, and he said, My recollection is meeting him and saying, I really loved your work. 
and after it someone came up and said to him, you said like, haha your brother died, basically, like a, a day after or something like that. Another one, he said he used to get cocaine <laughs> brought, dropped off in the cornflake boxes. Said he took loads and went out the back. He was living on a farm and just shot all his chickens. No, he's absolutely just went out and shot them. Oh, he's mangled. He's absolutely James Mangold. And I speaking of him. James Mangold, Sorry, um, James Mangold has been um, announced <laughs> or at least <laughs> rumored. It's very heavily rumored that he will be the director of Indiana Jones Five. Now, James, James Mangold is obviously famed for directing the Wolverine, Logan, and Ford versus Ferrari. Um, this is his next project. Does anyone give a fuck? Nope. No. <laughs> But it's like Harrison Ford despises anything in Star Wars. He hates very good Nicky, well done. <laughs> uh, he hates anything Star Wars. Anytime somebody mentions Han Solo to him, he's like, I don't care, stop asking me. Like he gets actual right riled up about it. Yeah. See Indiana Jones, he'll happily answer any question about Indiana Jones, but somebody mentions what is the difference fun. between Indiana Jones and Han Solo? Nothing. People don't ask about Indiana Jones twenty five times a day and he's just I think he's changed his tune in Star Wars because they said like he was actually quite up for coming back for nine. Um, which is she, name? she did yes, yes. <laughs> I think I'm, fucking, I'm not worried about fucking spoiling out you know they can go, if you're worried about me spoiling 9 go fuck yourself you never wanted to see the movie anyway it's not that good is it Oh fuck off Anyway uh, <laughs> I know but My point is that Harrison Ford is like He's up for uh, Playing in the Edge on Thriving I can't imagine This film not being Like a handover To another Indiana Or like Whatever yeah. it may Who's be Who's it going to be Because everyone's been Shire Saying Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pratt It's not going to be Shire Nah I think Nah I think Chris Pratt Would be Oh, we should do that review Doctor Who episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you 
Is it a Catalina, a ship, heaven or China? Heaven. <laughs> What's life as a house? I don't know. Look, in cruel intentions, what would Catherine get should she win the bet? $5,000, Sebastian must move out. She gets oh. to have her way with Sebastian or Sebastian's car. I'm going to guess since everything revolves around Sebastian that it's got something to do with him, so it's, it must be... It must be Harley's way. Uh, <laughs> cruel, what's Cruel is about? It's uh, someone who's got... Cruel Nice. It's got to be... I don't know. Um, <laughs> she's got to... Which one of those intentions are the cruelest? I'm going to go she gets to have... No, that's fucking rapey. Uh, the motor. <laughs> the motor. I was going to say it gets to have her way. Have her way. Uh, I have way. No, because it sounds pure. Yeah, but it's cruel intentions. Right, guys. <laughs> So we had question one, Gary, what colour jacket is all going to wearing in Shindles last? You said red and you were correct. Oh. Luke, you said X-Men 2, what do the marks of Nick or skin mean? Uh, one for every sin, you were correct. Gary, you were unsure in this one, what's the name of Quince Boat and Jaws? You said the Orca, you were also correct. You were also correct. Hell yes. <laughs> we've got a lot of red up there now. Luke, you asked what colour spray paint does Jesse use to do graffiti in Free Willy? Yeah, you answer black. It was actually yellow. So there's now two for Sorry, one. Like, help you it's a game of life. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But Gary, we went back to you. What song is playing when Sam and Austin playing the Kiss and Cinderella story? You said Hillary Duff Fly. It was actually huge. What an actual cosmo, mate. No, what it is. I think the same year, I, or like, within three years of each other, a Cinderella story came out, and then a Cinderella story came out, which was about a boxer. So it was, I always think, I'm like, it's oh, Hillary Duff in that one. Wait, what one's the one with Hillary Duff? Mm. Mm. Um, look, you got the Candyman question correct. Why would you say it twice or two five times? Mm. Yeah, which brought us back to two for two. Gary, you got the Bad Santa question wrong. I mean, only Bad Santa fanatics is going to get that right, to be honest with you. <laughs> what is Bad Santa? Is that the yeah. uh, Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> and there was a sequel that came out about 12 years later. But then, well, <laughs> you got the notebook question wrong. It's a fucking shock Which it. brought us down to the last question to decide it at two apiece. <laughs> Gary, you were asked what does George say they almost saw after jumping into the ocean and life is a house? You said heaven, it was actually a Catalina. I don't even know. Jo- fucking Catalina Wine. <laughs> you were then asked about cruel cool intentions. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what she would get if she won the bet. Uh-huh. You said he's motor. I say he's it's way. Other way. It's a way, isn't it? And you'd be absolutely correct. Yes! Oh, yes! Which yeah. means, look, you have won today's trivia battle. Yeah. <laughs> Raging. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can't stop. Oh, I can't be stopped. In pitch battles and in yeah. trivia, I'm there. It's I'm just always the Oscar there. predictions that you did very poorly. Do I still talk about that? <laughs> That's only once a year, mate. Anyway, guys, next time we will be back and we will be talking about uh, Juno. A film called Juno. Juno. A lot more for me. Yeah, uh, Nicky is hosting that show. So uh, you probably can kind of get him to shut up next show. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, welcome. Thank you very much for coming welcome in. Welcome. We're finishing your Chill. fucking dope. Uh, uh, boo. <laughs> Check out everything <laughs> on all our channels uh, or back catalog. Check out my interview with Brad Gilmore. It's fantastic. Yep, and we will see you next time. Cheerio. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>